Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast, Chris Graham, and we're joined by Rod Mullins here. We're going to break down some NASCAR. We haven't talked NASCAR in a couple of weeks because there was an all-star race uh, that's off the, uh, the the cup schedule and then got back with the cup with the Coca-Cola 600 on Sunday night. And my goodness, Rod, there was so much going on there. Denny Hamlin finally gets, I guess he's calling it sort of the last check on his uh, career his career scoreboard there with the win in the coca-cola 600 hadn't won there in 17 years uh but boy there was so much going into that uh where do you want to start rod uh, i think we need to start with the 600 itself uh sold out um from what i understand from uh hearing a uh, uh sound bit from uh, greg walter who's the executive vice president of the track thanking the fans and everybody for being there uh this past weekend they had a sellout crowd on sunday uh, had a chance to watch it on TV most of the time that, uh, having the chance to watch it, I would not have wanted to be driving back to Virginia though, after this race, uh, because this race went longer. Uh, this was the longest 600 mile race that they had had in the Coca-Cola 600 history. I believe is according to what Mike joy and Larry McReynolds were talking about. This was the longest and it wouldn't have ended up being that way. If it hadn't been for the crazy wrecks, we started having, uh, you know, probably with what under uh under 100 laps to go we had some crazy uh crazy wrecks and then the one that i think really took the cake was chris busher's uh wreck that he had as he came down through the infield and then it was like suddenly the right front tire caught somewhere around that astroturf that they have down there on the uh, there in the infield in that specific area where they uh, do some of the painting the logos and so forth and something that just appeared to either catch or break the A-frame right around in there on that, uh, that this new next-generation car, and that car took a tumble. And he was still with his head, you know, he was everything upside down, and he could not unlatch the belt, get down and get out of it, uh, because if he did, that's all dead weight going down through there, and you're fighting against gravity and also everything else, the weight in that car. So uh, he had to wait for, you know, safety people to come and be able to turn the car over gently for him to be able to get out. But... He said he wasn't hurt out of it. Um, I think he, I think he probably got um, banged around a little bit, especially with that uh, that flipping that he did. It wasn't wild, violent flips like we've seen before in some of the plate races at Talladega and um, you know at Atlanta. We've seen some of that before, but still, it was enough to scare some people. And then you know we had a couple of other wrecks that uh, unfortunate. Chase Elliott goes, he gets taken out. Um, Kurt Busch, he gets taken out. Bubba Wallace makes a mistake on pit road that ends up costing him a chance to stay in the race. Um, all these guys having to bet on tires toward the very end, and the tires was what was the surprising thing. The tires were giving out on on some of these cars. Uh, I think it was the left rear on some of these cars. It was giving out pretty quick. So um, you had a variety of different situations going on, and then lo and behold, you go into overtime, and Denny Hamlin ends up winning his first Coca-Cola 600. And, you know, you could say it's rightly so, but, you know, Considering here over the past couple of weeks, Chris, I mean, honestly, we've heard nothing but Denny Hamlin complaints in the media. And I'm wondering, was this, and I, and I hate to say it this way, um, I wonder if it was sort of scripted in such a way that, yeah, let's let Denny win a race till he can shut up long enough to, you know, give everybody else a break. I don't know, but still, it's, it's, it seems real funny to me that, all this is kind of subdued now, a little bit quietened down from what it was here about two weeks ago. 
Yeah, Chase Elliott probably had the best car. He just didn't yeah. make it all the way to the end. He led 93 laps early on. Um, uh, Kyle Larson took the lead with uh, less than 50 laps to go uh, in the race and in, in the final stage. And then uh, the, some of those late race shenanigans mm-hmm. with the wrecks kind of took him out of that, uh, t- took him out of that equation. And yeah, Denny Hamlin even said uh, after the race, he thought, you know, he'd be happy with a fourth place finish the way his yeah. car was going that day. So he clearly didn't have the best car, but he was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And Kyle Busch said the same thing. You know, he said, we definitely didn't have the best car out there today. Nothing really worked, but we've really got to include two other people, two other drivers in that category. And we're forgetting about Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain, both of those drivers for track house racing. You know, at one point, Ross Chastain, they were looking at him to win the 600 before he had his trouble and, uh, the, one of the wrecks. And then Daniel Suarez got caught up in another one. Daniel Suarez had a rocket. I mean, there was just no doubt about it. He went from the back and then came all the way back to the front and was contending there. And then, you know, just as the way lady luck goes, it just presented itself there at Charlotte and he's knocked out of it before it's over with. And, uh, you know, it's kind of sad, but these, these two guys with track house racing, they've done a tremendous job and you can't say enough either about Eric Jones, uh, Ty Dillon. They've come along also Eric Jones, another top 10, top 20 finish out of, uh, out of it for petty GMS racing. And you really have to give some kudos too for Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon pulled off the move of the race and thought he was going to win it until he gets turned around. I think Kyle Larson was involved with that. That's when he tried to cut back in and he clipped him. And then, uh, Kyle Larson, that's when the melee starts. And that's one of the, the late race, uh, scenarios, but you know, there were a bunch of other cars that were, you know, really doing well, 18, I think 18 cautions, something like that altogether, 15 to 18 cautions. So, you know, you had some excitement out of this, uh, the car of this next generation car was unproven in some ways. They had tested at Charlotte, but they had not been able to see what they wanted to see out of this car. Well, it came full circle on Sunday night and everybody got a chance to see what this car is capable of doing. One thing I wanted to talk about, um, I, I read about Bubba Wallace and, and, you know, you talked about the, uh, what led him to get out of the race. He, he got a, a basically a driving too slow penalty, right? Yeah. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that knocked him out. Explain to our listeners, uh, you know, some of the details behind that, because that's something that uh, he wasn't even that damaged in the wreck. He, he was able to continue. He, he just got, it sounded like he got some bad advice. Yeah, he got some bad advice, I think, from somewhere down in the pits and somebody, or at least somebody was telling him, you need to lay back. You're not being able to maintain the minimum speed required to be out here on the track. That may have been the big thing. Usually when they black flag you, it's because you're not being able to maintain the speed, keeping up with the rest of the drivers out on the track. And that may have been one reason why they decided to black flag him, pull him in, even though he felt like he may have had the car that could have contended. And like you said, the car was not that torn up or anything else, but I think he may have been listening to just some bad advice from somebody saying, come on in here, let's take care of this. And when they did that kind of just messed everything up for him. But, uh, you know, the, the black flags, the penalties, we've had other things happen, even going back to the Winston, uh, let me correct myself on this, the all-star race. I still want to call it the Winston. I'm that much of an old hat, but, uh, you know, they still, we're finding ways. What was it in the, in the all-star race the other night? It was the caution went out right about the time that Ryan Blaney was crossing the start finish line, getting ready to start the start or the start finish line. And then that light came on. Well, in all 
technical ways to me, he should have won the all-star race because even though that flag came out, he was still in the lead. He was away from the rest of them. He was on that final lap. He should have been able to secure that. But then he starts to celebrate because he thinks he's won. He starts taking down the window net and then Denny Hamlin starts complaining, Hey, he shouldn't be out there on the track like that. He should have been brought in. They should have put him to the back of the pack and made him put his, uh, his window net back up. Well, you know, I'm sorry, you know, but if NASCAR was the one that called the shot on that one, they were the one that said, we messed up. We shouldn't have hit the, you know, the, the yellow and, and caused that to happen. So there was a lot of crazy things going on this weekend at Charlotte, no doubt about it over the last, well, this weekend. And then at Texas, there was a lot of things going on at the all-star race. Yeah. Let's, let's get into that now. Uh, uh, the checkered flag waving, as you mentioned, uh, the caution lights coming on. I mean, it's, it's not a points race, but it's a million dollar race. And, right. uh, a lot of controversy. Take us back into that. Well, you know, Ryan Blaney had this race. I mean, it was his to lose and his to lose only. He had, he came up through the pack. I thought he'd done a fantastic job of racing all night and just being there at the right moment, the right time to be able to complete that. And then here he comes, there's a wreck back behind him there at Texas and the drivers have gone, I, I don't know where to begin with all this about how the drivers have complained about Texas. They're wanting to move the all-star race. They, they first moved it to Bristol after the, the pandemic hit, you know, they'd always had it to Charlotte. They moved it to Bristol and then out of, out of the blue, Texas grabs a hold of it. And Texas has hosted it. What for the last two years, I think is what they've hosted. So you've got Texas in there. Texas's surface is not the greatest in the world, or at least according to some of the drivers, they feel like that, uh, that, um, component, that, uh, stuff that they put down in the turns there and stuff, that stick them stuff is what I'll call it. That they kind of, uh, an adhesive kind of lets the tire stick to it in the corner. They th say it hits worn out. They say it's just no good in the turns coming around there at Texas and Texas is a cookie cutter track. It's almost very similar to the way Charlotte is laid out the way that Atlanta is laid out, except Atlanta has changed contract configuration in the off season. And a lot of the drivers are saying, what you need to do is just go ahead, plow every bit of Texas up and redo it, make it, uh, make it a little bit more of an Atlanta. It will have a little bit more of a fun race there at Texas. Like we did otherwise don't bring the all-star race back. And so, uh, you know, you had a lot of spins coming out of four, uh, especially on that all-star race that night. And, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin was one of those that just was upset over it. He was upset from the beginning and he said, you know, he shouldn't have had a chance to win that race. Uh, he didn't have his window net up. Well, you know, guys, I mean, there's no other way you can try to do anything you can to that window net to get it back up. It's not like the old days. The old days, the window net was just nothing more than you remember the old seat belts in some of the cars. That's the way that used to be. They would latch and they would plug up, but not anymore. These are kind of, I think, got some kind of a Velcro strap to them or something. It's wrapped in there and it sets. But when you take it down, it's hard for you to get it back up. Used to, you could just snap it back in, and that was the end of it. Not this time around. Yeah, I'm reading about this more. I mean, you know, reminding myself because it it's been a week and a half or so. I mean, he's driving down. He's driving down the the you know on, on the track, and and he's he's trying to keep his hands on the wheel, his eyes right. on the ahead of the track, and he's also trying to put this this thing down. And and I mean, it, you know, it's 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 difficult, obviously, to do and, and maintain speed and do all that yeah. at once and. You know, they deemed it, they deemed it safe. Um, you know, Hamlin's point was, all right, they, there shouldn't have been a yellow in the first place. And then, 
uh, then they, they, you know, he, in his mind, he, they let Blaney get away with, you know, breaking a rule. And so two, two wrongs don't make a right. I, I mean, I can kind of see his point, uh, except that it's Denny Hamlin making the, the, the claim and he's been crying a lot lately, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of see his point. Yeah, I see his point too. And I'm not arguing anything about it of saying that, yeah, you, you know, you're in, you're not wrong about this. This is a safety thing, a consideration that needs to be made, but it's consider the source. Who's whining right now and who's crying about all this? And it's Denny Hamlin. Well, this ought to be enough to satisfy him at least for a couple of races that he won the 600 out of it. But right now, what Denny Hamlin wants, and I think what we're about to see is if Denny Hamlin can get close enough to a championship here, he was back in, what, 20th place, I think, in the point standings is the way it was before this race. And now he's come out, he's inched up a little bit more, but he's, you know, he's still not at the top of the pack. What's what's in for him is he wants a championship. He wants a championship, and I think what he wants to do is to be able to say at the championship and when he's crowned the champion, to say, I'm stepping down. I'm done. Uh, it's time for me to run a race car and a race car business. Well, that's kind of where I feel like there is a um, – Oh, how can I describe this? A conflict of interest, so to speak. You've got a conflict here with him trying to go and being part owner with Michael Jordan. Nothing wrong with him being a part owner of a race car. But then you're driving for Joe Gibbs. Now, I know that a lot of things are being swapped back and forth from Joe Gibbs Racing to 2311 Racing. But, you know, still, Denny, you've got to make an exception out of the whole thing. You're, you're driving for Gibbs. Drive for Gibbs. Take care of your business and stuff. Let Michael Jordan handle the PR on the other end or somebody else handle the PR as it needs to be. Sort of like what Rick Hendrick has done. Rick Hendrick has kind of turned things over to Jeff Gordon before it's over with. It used to be they would get over and they would talk to Rick Hendrick and you know ask him, how do you feel about this? Well, after the big deal happened uh, here at Darlington a couple of weeks ago when uh, the driver, William Byron, got bumped there at the very end, uh, Jeff Gordon went on record. He told the, exactly the way it was about Joey Logano what, and what goes around comes around. Denny Hamlin's not in that type of position just yet. When he's away from the race car as a driver and as a part car owner or whatever the case may be, then he can comment on things like that. But doing that from racing and then from a part-time ownership in a car, that's where you've got a problem. That's where the problem's at. You don't see that with Brad Keselowski that much because he's driving for himself. He knows that if he doesn't perform you know, it's it's like he's almost wanting to shake the magic wand and get, you know, two wishes out of it instead of just the one that you're supposed to get with that magic wand. You're going to get two because I'm involved in either one of these little endeavors. I don't know. I uh, just did the math on it, Rod, looking at the season as a whole. That was the, the, our, our uh, race this past weekend was the 14th out of 26 races before the playoffs. So we're mm-hmm. a little over halfway done with with the uh, the walk up to the playoffs. Um, and I'm looking at some of the guys who are uh, on the 